Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. I've called today, Let the Baby Live. And you're going to know why very quickly, because we're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. I think we've got it up there for us um, in a moment, but I'm going to start reading. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, verse 16. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. Sometimes, sometime later, two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. They came, came to Solomon, that was. Please, my Lord, one of them began. This woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There are only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted. It certainly was your son and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, the living child is mine and the dead one's yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. And then the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours. And each of you said the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child in two and give half to one woman and half to the other. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he'll be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. And the king said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live for she is the mother. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. And this is King Solomon we're talking about. Great story, interesting story. Not sure many of us could, could uh, operate like this, but there's a couple of analogies I want to bring out of this story for us today and, uh, and just explore this a little bit of what relevance this has to us. Solomon is like Father God full of wisdom, full of justice, full of righteousness, full of mercy, full of truth. And so this situation, which would baffle us if it were brought to us, I would have no idea what to do in this situation, probably try and palm it off to a committee or a jury or something like that. It's what we do these days, isn't it? And, uh, and so that the decision couldn't fall on, on my head and make the wrong one. Who would want to make the wrong one when it comes to something like this? And yet he has the wisdom from God and just before... Verse 16, we started here. Just before that, God had said to Solomon, ask me anything and I'll give it to you. And he asked for wisdom. And so here's an outworking of Solomon asking for wisdom and bang, sure enough, he got it and he got it plenty of it. And so the whole land was amazed at King Solomon's wisdom that he could actually deal with this situation, find the rightful mother and actually settle the scenario. King Solomon 
when we look at this story, we can see the Father. We can see how the Father will operate in a situation. The Father is always seeking truth. He never operates in the dark. He never operates in hidden places or in secret. That's how the enemy operates. He loves lies and deception and darkness and shadowiness and you know, curved lines and things where things can be crossed and manipulated. That's where the territory, the enemy works. But God is straight up and he is just and he's right. And so we can see this in the Father. We can see Solomon acting like it. I think that the, the baby illustrates us and the two mums is kind of like Jesus the the true mum and Satan the false mum and some may find this a little strange but for me when we look at this illustration and we can see Solomon as the father very clearly and we can see us mankind and we have a true mother and a false mother, if you like. Or we have Jesus and Satan vying for the truth of mankind, the baby, us. And we can see here the enemy's tactics are very, very clear. Deception, divide, kill. And that's the enemy's plan for your life and for my life. Deception, darkness, manipulation, lies, sickness, depression, all of these things. This is what the false mum tries to do. And she manipulates it. It's what Satan does. He manipulates things that are true and makes them out as if they're not true. So he will make you question yourself. He will make you question your call of God. He will make you question whether you are good enough. This is deception. It's false. It's not who you are. It's not who you're created to be. You're created to be an incredible creation whom God has created in his image. We recently watched uh, Russell Crowe's movie, Noah. And it's an interesting movie. In some ways, it's weird, but, you know, it's there. So you watch it. And it's interesting just seeing, uh, and I think Russell Crowe does a good job of bringing out the depravity of humankind. Uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty, you know, in your face. It's like, yes, without the grace of God, we just, we're just slaughter ourselves. And, uh, and so that desperate need for us as that baby for truth. Um, that baby had no words to use, but if it could use words, it would be desperate for the true mum or in our situation for Jesus, our Messiah, our Saviour, our Redeemer to save us from death because the enemy is trying to bring us down. The enemy will never let up until we reach eternity. The enemy will never stop trying to bring you down and bring me down. He is our enemy. He is the deceiver. And so when we just explore this a little bit more, I want to bring out three things that I think are helpful in this passage for us to see about both Jesus and Satan. First thing is they work completely opposite. So the enemy operates in deception. Deception is one of those things that can operate very, very small portions and still be powerful. I don't know if you've ever had it in a situation where you just know something's right. You, you know what's right. But somehow some deception creeps into the scenario and even just a little bit is enough to taint the truth. And so we as believers are carriers of the truth. Another... Um, Illustration, if you like, from what I see in this baby is the truth of Jesus Christ. 
And in our modern times that we live in, we have to be the true mum, if you like, who will stand up for truth, who will even risk truth in the hands of those who can't handle it and say, I want truth to live so much, I'm not going to control it. I'm not necessarily the one who's going to be the, the, the messenger of all truth to everyone, but I know some other people who are. So I'm going to trust God's truth enough that people can handle it. An example, I, um, I've realised that there are certain people who are really gifted in ways that I'm not gifted so it's not my job to copy them and try and compete with them and become the loudest megaphone in that particular arena. What my job is to trust truth enough and pray and bless those who are gifted in that arena so that their anointing can flourish and the truth of God can actually be multiplied many times. But if I take the baby for myself, maybe I'm not the one. And so it's interesting to operate in our own anointing is really, really powerful. So that we don't try and take things and take glory for ourselves. Because then we actually bring in a little bit of that deception. God operates in the light. He does not operate in secret. Another word for hidden or the actual root word for occult is hidden and vice versa. And so you can almost transpose those words, occult and hidden. And so you can see that the occult, the enemy, he is the prince of the occult or Satanism, if you like, if you want to stretch it out. He operates in hidden places, hidden places where there's no godly authority. And where there's no truth, there's no real strong, clear leadership of, of Jesus Christ as Lord. And so if you've ever uh, seen or even been tempted to operate in hidden places where it's in secret, and I mean wrongful secret, where things, you know, that you know if, if broadly people were assessing and looking at, they'd go, mm, maybe check yourself on that one. If you've ever had that little thought going, please check yourself on that one. Because even us as believers, we can operate in deception sometimes. And when we operate in deception or in secret places and we operate on our own agenda, we are giving power to Satan because we're operating in his agenda. We're becoming people who operate in deception. And maybe that's just a personal thing, but I see it in the body of Christ. I've seen it over the years. People still operating in, in their own agenda in deception. What I'm saying is bring everything into the light. Bring everything into the light. And that's why we say as a community, we, go, we do this together. We don't operate in little isolated silos where people do what they want to do and, and they want to, you know, sort of do their thing and their thing, but they're not really connected to the body. It doesn't work that way. I've had a lot of people over our 10 years of ministry come to me and offer advice and, you know, we should do this or can I do this? Can I do this? And we'll say, hey, you know, that's awesome. Do this. First, connect to the body. Connect to the body, sow into the body. And when we do that, there's a, there's a mass migration, if I can use a current word, into the unity of Christ when we do it together. It's not isolated silos. I heard a great leader say um, a few years ago that we, we, we are one big cruise ship. We're not a whole lot of little lifeboats off doing our own thing. And so that's why sometimes we as leaders have to say no. 
It's why sometimes we have to say yes. It's sometimes why we have to be clear and say, no, we're just not feeling to do that thing right now. And I just pastorally give you that advice as a, as a church family. There are times where we will just say, no, we, we just don't feel right now. It's right for us to ex- expel resources and time and, and energy into that because we as the leaders are just feeling as a house, we got to do this right now. And so sometimes it might seem wrong to you, but it's actually right to us as a house. And so I'm just asking pastorally, there's nothing I can really think of that's a drama right now, which is good while we speak into this stuff, because I'm just, I'm just knocking any little gremlins out of the way. People born, you know, in the last 20, 30 years don't even know what gremlins are, but little creepy things, you know, it's deception. The enemy loves to operate in deception, even in little deceptions. So what we have to do is check our heart on it. Like Peter McHugh said, self-awareness, personal responsibility. So we'd be self-aware. We go, am I operating in deception in any way? Is any part of my life in secret to what the broader community would recognize as wrongly operating? relationally, speech, thought, behaviours, addictions, whatever it might be. If you can look at your life, then be self-aware enough to take it to the Lord. Be self-aware enough to take personal responsibility. No one else can do that for you. No one else can solve those issues of the heart, but you can and I can. And so we take them to the Lord and we say, all right, Jesus, we come before the Father. Do you know what? The good thing is we have an equivalent of the true mum, Jesus Christ, where he will stand up for us. And we're the baby crying out for truth. We don't know. We don't know what to do. We don't even know what to say sometimes. And so Jesus, our mediator, he is, he is our great redeemer standing in our place. And he says, let the baby live. And he says about you, let them live. Even though we might have had very sinful lives and we might be caught up in stuff in our own minds and habits and other things in our lives, he says, let them live. And he's saying that about you today. Let them live. They don't want to die. I don't want them to die. I didn't die on the cross and sacrifice my life so they could still go through all of this stuff. I died so they can live. And if you don't know Jesus today and you're listening to me, that's the gospel. That's the good news for your life is that Jesus Christ died in your place and in my place because we deserve death. We actually deserve death. All the sin in our lives, the wrongful stuff is is against God the Father. It's against Him and we actually deserve judgment. We deserve punishment. But Jesus Christ, the the true Saviour of the world, stands in our place. And He says, let them live. Let them live. Even if they don't feel uh, holy, they don't look holy, let them live. If they believe in me and they confess me, let them live. And, and give them life and give them life ever after. And so we see the enemy is the accuser. If you've ever got voices of accusation, I just undid my shoelace with my other shoe. That's phenomenal. It's a special gift. I've been trying that for a few years. Karen, do you want to just come and tie up my shoelace? <laughs> it's going to annoy me the whole time. It's, you know, what a beautiful wife I have. Give her a round of applause. Thank you, baby. <laughs> I should do a double knot just in case. Awesome. It's just, it's, it's weird when you've got a shoelace dragging and, you know, it's very strange. 
I have no idea where I was, but I've got a finale written down here somewhere. (laughs) Deception. If you've ever had negative voices going through your head about yourself, it's Satan. It's no one else. It's, It's nothing else. It's Satan. He is the originator of those thoughts. Now, we can feed those thoughts a little bit with stuff we listen to or stuff we watch or if we compare ourselves to everyone else and how they look and how they sound and how they feel. But he is the originator because he is like the false mum and he's always wanting to say, bring them down, bring them down. I don't care who gets them, but I want to divide them. I want to separate them. I want to kill them. I want to bring divorce in marriage. I want to bring divorce in churches. I want to bring fighting. I want to bring deception. I want to bring lies. I want to bring shadows. Make them question who they are. Make them question who God is. Make them fight amongst one another as to whether you're Calvinist or Arminianism or you know, whatever you're into theologically or whether you like the New King James or the New Living Translation or you don't like the Passion Translation or you don't like the Message Translation. Let's make them fight about the most stupid things unimaginable or imaginable. And let's make, confuse them so that they're not even focusing on the gospel anymore. So that they're worried about every other thing in the world And they're looking at each other and judging one another, bringing so much judgment on themselves. You know, Matthew actually talks about that when we judge other people, we are going to be judged for those same things. And so if we are judgmental as people and as a church, and that's why God really has dealt with with me in particular, you know, a number of years ago about my judgmentalism. And I praise God for that that dealing with because it was a moment where I had to become self-aware and then take personal responsibility i.e. repentance. And because of that, he's now blessed us with so many relationships with so many other churches and church leaders. And we had it here on, on Thursday. We had you know, a bunch of 10 or 12 other uh, churches represented and other leaders. And, uh, and it was such a blessing to be connected with them and not really want anything from them. We're not, we're not trying to sell anything. We genuinely want relationship. And that's what the kingdom of God operates in, relationships. So if we learn to do relationships well, we learn to do the kingdom of God well. If we're terrible at relationships, and I'm not talking if you're an introvert, you're allowed to be an introvert. What I'm talking about is how we manage ourselves and how we operate in the kingdom together. And we get over our offences and we don't judge one another. We're not bringing each other down. We're not walking away thinking, oh, you know, that person's a this, that and the other. And you know what I mean? That that judgmental thoughts. Do you know what I've realised? It might just be me, but I have a sneaking suspicion it's not. After 44 years of living on this earth, I've realised that we as humans have to fight judging other people absolutely meticulously. And we have to do it every hour of every day, except when you're asleep, because you're probably not judging anyone. Maybe you're dreaming about judging people. I don't know. (laughs) But we have to fight against this. And if we are to be a pure bride, if we are to be a people of God who rise above the operating status quo of our environment, which is very critical and very judgmental, then we actually can do this simply by making a daily decision. I am not a judgmental person. I am not going to, I have no right to judge that person. I have no right to judge that scenario, that church, that leader, that situation's I have no idea what they're going through. I have no idea what God's told them to do. And and here am I sitting up on my high mighty throne and giving judgments. It is wrong. 
And it's something that I continually on a daily basis remind myself because I slip into it as well. And then I remind myself, who the heck do you think you are judging that person? You don't even know them. You, don't, you have no relationship with them. You have no equity in the bank with that person. And so it's one of those things that I want to highlight today. We are not a judgmental people. We are not a judgmental community. And in that, we operate in grace. We operate in grace. And we see this being brought about powerfully in the, the, the Solomon, but also in the true mum. We can see a spirit of grace on them that is very, very powerful. A graceful word will, will kill off judgmentalism really, really powerfully. We can see here the power of grace because the true mum really equals grace because she is willing to let the baby go just to live even though she will suffer loss for the rest of her life. And it's one of those things that we can see, wow, Jesus did, did that for us. Jesus was willing to give everything away, risk everything for us, die on the cross. And he had enough faith in the Father that he was going to rise again. But the false mum, she wants judgment and she brings accusation. We can see the true mum, she stands for life. The false mum stands for death. The true mum Everyone wins. Everyone wins. And it's actually one of those situations where the whole land is blessed because of the testimony of truth. And I think that this is a powerful thing that we can take hold of. When truth is allowed to run free in a community, it's a very powerful testimony to Jesus. When truth is allowed to operate in our lives, that is, there's no smoke and mirrors. There's no shadiness going on. We're not judging one another. We haven't got shifting shadows going on and little agendas operating in a community. When we're on this boat together and we're going clearly together and operating in truth, it is a powerful statement to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And it's actually a prophetic testimony to what it's going to be like in heaven. And so we actually get to evidence a little bit of heaven in how we relate together. Because other people can see it and they go, man, those guys, there's something pure on them. They're not judging one another. They're not bringing each other down. It's a different culture than I'm used to in my university or my workplace or my family or whatever operating system you have in your life or other than church. We can see the contrast because we're operating in the kingdom, which operates in truth. John 8, 32 says, And you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's a powerful statement. Truth. If we think about it in our daily lives, and we think about how we relate together and how we do life together, how we grow together, if truth is a key element of who we are, I believe it's release, it sets the captives free. Because no longer will we just, and I'm not talking about small talk, but no longer will we just even in our relationships put up with the same level of lowest common denominator. We will lift each other higher. Because when truth is paramount, we'll actually speak life. And even when maybe someone comes up, you know, you, you, you have various people in life and some people are half glass empty and some people are half glass full. I don't know what you are. Um, I'm generally a half full 
In fact, Karen says the whole ship could be sinking and I'd still be looking out there going, well, it's a beautiful day today, isn't it? And it's a good way to be if the ship's sinking. <laughs> You've got to look at something, don't you? But in, in a mindset like this, we actually get to operate with a spirit of prophecy because Jesus always says, let them live. Let them live. And so whatever situations you're going through right now, there is a testimony of Jesus available in your life. There's a testimony of Jesus available to be released as a testimony of his goodness and his kingdom and his power and his authority. It might be sickness. It might be relational. It might be financial. It could be your own mind or any situation where you feel maybe there is the false mum saying, let's let this thing die. You're not good enough. You can't do this. You're not going to get through this. You've, you've hit these battles before and you cannot break through. Do you know what? There is a powerful testimony available to you today. And it's in the power of the cross. It's the power of Jesus Christ. And I believe that when we take this element of truth and apply it to our lives and we say, hang on, that's the lie of the enemy. Because when we shine the light of truth on something, the enemy scatters. He just runs. He runs away. He doesn't like it when the truth of the gospel is shone onto a situation. He can't handle it. Because all of a sudden, you see who you are in Christ. You don't see the old man, the old woman. You see who you are in Christ. And you actually go, wow, I'm called to live. Wow, I'm actually called to break through this situation. I'm called for God's plans and purposes. And he actually plans good things for my life, not bad things. If you think bad things are coming your way, I used to, I used to be, um, what's the word? Um, oh, there's, a, there's a word for it and all of you will know it as soon as I say it. It's, it's not sceptical, but um, when you're, you're afraid to do things just in case something happens, uh, someone must know what I'm talking about. Uh, obviously not. Um, anyway, they're, 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 okay, when I was walking on footpaths, I wouldn't want to walk on the lines because if I walked on the lines, it's like, oh no, something bad's going to happen if I walk on the lines. Superstitious. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I knew if I told a story, you'd get me. Superstitious. Anyone else been like that? Put up your hand if you've ever been superstitious. Yeah, there's a few of you. I know there's a lot more. You're just superstitious about putting up your hand. God never follows through on your superstitions. It is not from him. It doesn't matter whether a clairvoyant has waved at you from, you know, the New Age show and actually said something about your life. It is a lie from the pit of hell. It's not God's plan. It's not the truth. It's not how he operates. And even sometimes we might have a bad dream and think, oh, no, that's going to happen. No, it won't. It's, it's, it's sometimes pizza. It's sometimes something else going, too much sugar. It's, it's other things that are going on in our body, in our physiological, chemical reactions and are just exploding in our brain and it brings about negative things. God operates in the light. He operates in truth. He operates in speaking life, not death. And He wants to speak life over you even today and over your situations and over your money, over your thinking, over your career, over your health, over your relationships, every arena of your life. He says, give them life. 
Give them truth. Give them hope. Give them destiny. Give them something that they can hold on to so they can see this through. God doesn't speak in shadows and in darkness. And so wherever you're at today, I want to encourage you. Jesus is your mediator. If you don't know Jesus today, all you have to do is say, Jesus, rid me of my sin. I believe in you. I know you died for my sin. Take it from me today. I want to live with you forever, forever. He'll come into your life and you'll have a relationship with him. It's that simple. It's all you have to do. And if you do that today at some point during this service, then we would love to connect with you. Look at someone who's either good looking or got a t-shirt that says welcome on it. And, and I'm sure we can help you out somehow. God loves you. He loves you. And he has good plans for your life. He doesn't want to bring you down. It means, yes, maybe there'll be some struggles along the way. Maybe there'll be some hurdles that we have to jump over and get through and we actually have to find ourselves and become self-aware, take personal responsibility, repent of some sin in our life and walk a, walk a journey through. This is all part of living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But he is absolutely, as we sung this morning, um, Relentless Love or whatever that song's called, yeah, reckless love, yeah. Um, yeah, which, whoa, 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 reckless love. I mean, that got the world all theologically out of balance, didn't it? Can you say God is reckless? Oh, I don't think he cares, really. As long as we're worshipping him, he knows our heart, doesn't he? We get caught up on so many little pickles and things sometimes, don't we? It's just pathetic. But we're in the same trench. Always remember this when we were going through some really tough battles in our business and, uh, and I had, I had a, a, a barrister who we called in and he was, he was known as a really tough barrister and, and, you know, Karen and I would talk about it and it's going to cost a lot of money to get this barrister, you know, five, six hundred dollars an hour and, and we had him for months and months and months. So you can add that up. But, um, but we needed someone in our trench who was going to come and help us and rescue us. And that's what Jesus does for you on a daily basis. He's in your trench. And so any friendly fire that happens between us, we need to just let that go. We're in the same trench. We're all in the same trench. And if we're in the same trench in the same army together, you never want friendly fire. You don't want friendly fire. You want to be all shooting at the enemy. You want to be all going after the enemy. And those ones who are bold enough to step out of the trench, I always, when you watch Gallipoli, it's like, oh my gosh, how did they do that? They weren't the first ones who got up and ran up and went, went for the other trenches. I mean, it's, like, it's incredible, isn't it? But the, and those ones who are bold enough to do that, we cheer them on. We cheer them on. We don't bring them down. I mean, we're not going, oh, oh, that's right. I know he's not quite right in his life. Oh, that's right. He swore in the trench and had a smoke and talked badly about someone. And oh, that, therefore, he, he shouldn't be there. And no, we go, man, oh, man, they're doing a phenomenal job. Look at them out in the front. Look at them out in front. And it changes our mindset, doesn't it? And so other, other leaders and people who are going for it in the kingdom of God, going for it in business or a testimony of Jesus in any area, missions or whatever their calling might be, we cheer them on. We don't bring them down. And so then we actually stand unified and we're more powerful because of it. And then we operate in truth because the enemy operates in deception. He is the king of friendly fire. He wants us all to be shooting each other and bringing each other down. And so let's just recognize that today. Any of that stuff, which, praise God, isn't really a big deal for us. 
It might have been some years ago, but, you know, we've been burnt and crucified and hung. You know, we're okay now. We've had to repent of a lot of stuff. And, and so God's brought us into a land of blessing, of health, where, where I can talk like this and it's not people aren't walking out the door. If I did this seven years ago, I wouldn't have a church. But God does stuff. But, but we're, we're absolutely, we want to go after more. And to go after more, to be, to be a people, a community that is trustworthy of more talents, if you like, then we actually want to show him we're willing to go. We're willing to go. We're willing to be unified. And he loves it when we gather and when we're unified in spirit. It's a spirit of truth. It's a spirit of life. And I believe it brings forth a revival spirit. It brings forth a health that even just meeting after meeting can't bring about because it's real and it's powerful and it's relationship. We can't hide from it because the light's on, the truth of the gospel's on. Just raise your hands where you're sitting and I want to pray today. Lord, we thank you that you are a spirit of truth. Lord, I pray today that you would release even in our hearts, my heart, our hearts as a community, a fresh revelation of this spirit of truth. That any part of us that still operates in deception, we lay that down, we repent of that today. We are one ship. We are in the same trench And you are our commander. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would release your word continually to us, that you would affirm us. I thank you that you say, let them live. And that you speak life over us. So Lord, I release life today. Even some who may be struggling with situations, I release the life of the Spirit of God, the life of the Spirit of truth. And Lord, we pray that you would come and break any chains, break any addictions, any limitations in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray for your power to be released in fresh new ways to us, to our lives. Lord, we pray that you would increase in this place. You would increase in us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here right now. And we ask for more. We ask for more of you that you would move in our community in great ways, that you would release your presence powerfully through daily communication, through all sorts of situations, throughout a whole college ministry and families and relationship, we pray in this community, in this region, that the presence of God would be released so powerfully in fresh new ways. And we say, come Holy Spirit. We say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way in us and have your way in this region. Let your kingdom come so powerfully. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. 